Okay, Sunday night. Mom, this will be the last Sunday night till August 1st. Okay, here we go. Um, I want to back up, actually. We're going, don't cry, but um, we're going to go back because we're going to go back to days five and six. Well, I keep changing my paradigm. You know, every time you see something new, you read something new, you go, oh my gosh, no, we got to go back. So, I want to go back. You know, we talked about days six and seven already, but day five, um, you know, you think, okay, in day five he created all the animals, and then day six he created man, but all contraire. It didn't exactly happen that way. And when you start looking at the Hebrew, and you look at our words, barah, asah, you see that day five is a little different than we thought. And that there's so much that happens in day six that's just unbelievable. And um, so we're going to start in Genesis 1 but bleed over into Genesis 2 because that's where we're going anyway. But we're just going to kind of hop around and try to get it connected in some um, understanding by days of creation. And um, so I don't even know where to I don't even know what I'm doing here. So we're just going to like go with this, okay? All right. Now, um, look at verse um, 20 in Genesis 1. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life and the fowl um, that may fly above the earth and in the open firmament of the heaven. And God created it. And that word created is barah. He thought and he planned. He had not made it yet. So in his mind, he was creating all of these animals. The great whales and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly, and after their kind, and every winged fowl after its kind. And God saw it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowls multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. He never got out of Barah mood on day five. He's, he's still thinking and planning. Still on the drawing board. Yeah, he's still on the drawing board. So day six then suddenly gets packed. Okay? So we talked about the great conversation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And um, that's verse 26. And then 27, you see he's in the planning stages. Three times he says created, but it's barah. He created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Barah, barah, barah. So he's still thinking. Still on the drawing board. And he blessed the ideas. He blessed the, the um, people before they, you know, Adam before he existed. And he spoke over them the plan. Now, at the beginning of day six, he is planning. And then you skip over to chapter two. And last time we talked about um, verses 5 and 6 being a flashback to, to day 3. 
that's when they put in the irrigation system. Because God, he said, before, um, look at verse 5. And every plant of the field, before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field, before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So now God is working. This is That was day three. Um, day four, he put the sun and the moon in place so that life could receive exactly the amount of light they needed and the amount of dark they needed to sustain itself. Okay, so that was all in day three. And then, here we go with day five. He's thought out his animals. He has thought out his man in day six. And then, somewhere in day six, he goes to this muddy ground now that's been watered by the mist. And in verse seven, it says, And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living soul. The word form there, we said, is yatsar, which is to squeeze, to you know, like a potter. So he formed his man out of the dirt. At this point, he had nefesh, and that is a, like a soul. All animals have a soul. They know they can move independently. And that's everywhere you read in here when it talks about animals that move on the earth, that's what they're talking about. They, they can think, they can... Uh, protect themselves they you know they can move freely independently um, and they have nefesh so this goopy man out of the earth because the earth had life in it now has nefesh then God breathed into him this divine essence and that's really the eternal part of man that's a part of man that, that's God okay and um I told you that neat little thing I read. Because man has not only nefesh, but neshama. He has the divine essence of God. That made the incarnation of Jesus Christ possible. If man did not have that God spirit, there would have been no way to have had the incarnation. So um, that neshama made it possible for Jesus to come to earth. because it was the Holy Spirit through Mary's Spirit you know that planted the seed of God in her and um, so now that was the beginning or the beginnings of day six so here's a, a living man and God does this look at verse eight and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. It gives you the idea that man was formed somewhere else and placed in the garden. The the Hebrew scholars say man was formed on the mountain of praise and then placed in the garden. So I don't know where the mountain of praise is, but that's what they call it. The mountain of praise. And um you know it could be Zion. But <clears throat> mm-hmm. Zion. yeah, and um, it's the beginning of everything, right? And and then he placed his man in that garden. Now, 
This is the interesting thing. We're going to skip over a little bit because all of this has to, to go in day six. Even Eve, especially Eve, has to be part of day six. And we, we never get that, uh, we don't get that sense. But she must, she has to be there. Um, because to create Eve from Adam was a work. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. There wasn't anything else that had to be done. So Eve also has to be a product of day six. But this is what I want you to see. Look at verse 19. He's put the man in the garden. And we're going to go back and talk about all this in a little bit. But he's put the man in the garden. He's given him the warning about the trees. And... um, um, I think we I think that's loud enough. <laughs> I think we can hear it. Yeah. We don't have to go up. We can hear it right here. Okay. Uh, look at verse 19. And out of the ground God formed every beast. Yet Sar squeezed and shaped every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam. So Adam was already alive when he, Yatsar, squeezed all of the beasts out of the earth. Now that was cool to me. Because I, you know, I don't know when I thought Adam named all the animals. But I, I sort of saw it like Noah's Ark. Noah had been there and the animals had been there and finally God just prayed them by and he named them. But, but this says very specifically... And the Hebrew people are very specific in their writing. But very specifically, God, yet Sar, formed out of the earth every creature, male and female, and brought them to Adam. So Adam was in the garden. He formed the animals, brought them to Adam, and Adam named them. Well, this is still in day six. So all of the, all living flesh was created in day six. Not just Adam. It's no wonder he rested day seven. Well, yeah. Wouldn't that wear you out? I know it. So I'm going, oh my gosh. Because when I went into this, I thought I had it pretty well locked down. Day five, the animals were created. Day six, man was created. But no. Man was... Animals were mentally designed in day five. But they were not formed out of the earth until day six. And Adam was already alive, which tells you that actually Adam was formed before he made those animals. And Adam, and he brought those animals as he made them for Adam to name them. So you're going, wow, who knew? And at the very end of the naming, then look at verse um, 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, Eshaw. Because she was taken out of man, Ish. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. 
That's the end of day six. So there was a lot that went on in day six. And then day seven he rested because um, she was a creation of God. It was a work when she was created. <clears throat> and um, I just want to... Can I play advocate? Yeah, advocate. play devil's advocate. You're good at that. Um, I always when mess it with says all his work, could that not mean the work up until that point? Uh, no, because um, the guy in Hebrews explains that there was no other work to be done. And he sat down. I mean, he was done. There wasn't any other work to be done. He had finished it. Um, you know, he didn't have to do one more thing. Everything was in its place. Even Jesus' death on the cross. Everything that, was done. That was in his mm-hmm. bara. Yeah. Jesus was done. Mm-hmm. But the <clears throat> manifestation performing was yet to be accomplished. The death was yet to be accomplished. That, that was a timing thing. The, the blood to be shed right. was, uh, was not yet done. Right. The resurrection was not yet done. The ascension was not yet done. No, but... The, I'm not arguing, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, but those are not creation. Those are not part of original creation. That, that was all set in motion in, in Adam's loins when Adam was created. Jesus came out of Adam's loins. So, so but Again, it, it sounds like a far-fetched stretch. And I'm thinking back. How do you meet somebody on the street Excuse me, and tell them that God finished everything on the sixth day and rested on the seventh? If he rested on the seventh and everything was done, then God is not involved. Because there's nothing yet to be done. But, but, you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, but, but... It's an oversimplification, if I can put it that way. Yeah, but, but that's not work. God's work was creation. <laughs> you know, and, and everything else is going to play itself out. Uh, now, he, he can be involved when he's asked, but even at that, he doesn't control flesh. He, he has put his hands off of it. And the only way he gets involved is when men ask. And responds. Right, and he responds. But that's not work. That's not that's not God's work. Uh, that's response God to relationship. God does is not work. Right. That's not, not his work. His manufacturing work. That that's that is uh inner relationship, reaction and response in relationship. But but the creation, the very creation of everything, from beginning to end, from Olive to Tav. Alpha to Omega happened on days one through seven, and then all and it, and it was set in motion, and then it had to play itself out. Okay, so somewhere in that six days, there's the New Jerusalem. In yeah, in God there it is. Okay. Yeah. But manifestation of what God has bara. Now that's dimensional. You have to be careful too. Well, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, doesn't that kind of go back to Elohim as creator and setting the parameters and being solved? That's right. And then he gives us free will. And then as Yahweh, he's our covenant God and he keeps his his promises to us. Right. But we ask in intercession, Jesus is the intercessor. Yeah. 
And so it's Jesus yes. that's interceding according to God's right. previously but, yeah. established work. That's it. It's all been done. You know, everything has been done. So if you ask, the blessing's already there. Yeah. I mean, if you ask, the blessing's there. God's already blessed everything. But you ask, and, and the blessing is there. You know, you open the door to receive when you ask. Um, but God has blessed. Um, he has already defeated the curse. But you ask, and the curse is defeated. Um, but it's not because God is doing anything. His, his work now is to hold all things together. And, and that's what he does. He is in all things, and he holds all things together. And now it's all about relationship with his man. Um, can I do a but real it is a creative. oversimplification? Yeah. Because I'm sitting here getting this, this vision. I hate to even call it, I'll say visual, because I sometimes do that. But I was thinking, you know, like the guy that has the shop open to create, to make things. And at a, at a point, he's made everything he's ever wanted to make. So he closes the shop. But he, and he retires, but he continues to be a consultant. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> I mean, That's we right. can ask him at any right. time how to operate the things he's made. Right. I mean, he's already made them. He's already set the parameters for right. them. You know, and I'm kind of thinking about, you know, electronics <clears throat> and stuff like that. You right. Know, you, you can call him back and say, well, it just kind of isn't working right. What do I do? Here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jesus is the help. Right. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah. I warned you it was an extreme <coughs> That's kind of how I see it. It's already done. It's already set, in, you know, everything's set in motion. And now we can call on him when, when we need to. And we also ought to say, wow, thanks for this wonderful thing you created. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, or you create the dresser yeah and then you're done with the work yeah. but you still the dresser is still usable the drawers open and shut and holds things but um and when the drawers, work of creation is done when the drawers get sticky you call and say yeah. what do i do about this sticky drawer right but the work of creation is done so what he's talking about here is setting just life in in motion and once he has created the life and set it in motion it just goes it just it works, but he's but he has already set the parameters for the last day in himself. But the material world, see, in, in this material dimension, there's a timeline. In the spirit dimension, there's no timeline. There, there's no time outside of this material world. So he sees from from everything. <clears throat> it's so yeah. So everything has to be done to this point. <clears throat> so that then in sense of time when Jesus says it is finished that's a different finish than this right finish. you didn't say my work is finished he said you know the purpose for my being here is finished yeah um and, and he says right which was before the beginning of right mm-hmm that's it. Um, That's where I said long drawn out process. Yeah, but it, but it, but it isn't. It has to be in day six, or else God lies, because it says He ceased from all His works. You know, it was all done. Um, 
and, and it was done and it was good. Look at um, verse 1 in chapter 2. Well, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Every living thing was made. Every living thing was finished. It was done. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, Barah, and he rested in the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Um, so that, you know, <clears throat> creation was the work. Um, after that, it's about inner relationship. Because he blessed everything, the blessing was set free, but now it's between man and God to see that the blessing flows. You know, and then Adam just screwed it up right away. So, well, from that verse, I have finished circled, and then my definition finished. Action completed in the past, once and for all, never to occur again. Right. That's exactly right. It, that work was completed. So, everything had to be created. The host of them, everything that he created, had to be finished on day six in order for day seven to be that complete day of rest um, and I, I'm like you Bill I had the same idea that this was an extended deal that Adam lived in the garden for a long time and God says why don't we just name the animals one day Adam and then you know Adam got lonely and God said I know I'll make you help me but no God this wasn't even an afterthought for God because he prepared Adam with an extra rib and extra flesh when he was created in order to take care of his mate. And the mate couldn't be... It had to come from him. They had to have the same um, DNA. They had to have the same uh, complete, perfect DNA. They had the same gene pool, complete and perfect in both of them. It had to be the same in order for all humanity to spring from one perfect set. You know, and the one perfect set was in both uh, was in both parents. So um, um, Eve wasn't an afterthought. She wasn't like, oops, I forgot to make somebody for. For Adam, and you know, you get that feeling when you when you were little and you were studying, and God saw that Adam was lonely and he didn't have a buddy, and he decided to put Adam to sleep and make a, you know. But God didn't; He had them all made. He said it made him male and female. Created He then, and that was back in Genesis one twenty six and twenty seven. Could I? Yeah, I think I wrote this down from Joseph Prince, according to the Hebrew Talmud. Adam was created with male and female elements. Yes. God removed the female elements to create woman. Yes. And that you have male, the Hebrew is ish, female isha, because she came out of him. Right. But he had already put those Everything. elements in and separated out That's right. the female elements from the body. That's right. And where did you, or what chapter? Joseph, uh, that's, well. Um, <clears throat> it's verse 27 in chapter 1. Where it says it made, he made it, he them, male and female, yeah. created he them. First of all, Adam had all of the seed of humanity in his loins. So men determined sex. So he had male and female in the seed. He also had Eve as a part of his body because she was not an afterthought. You know, we all have 12 pairs of ribs. And um, 
there was a 13th rib in Adam yeah. that was just for Eve. Right. And um, so um, she wasn't an afterthought. She was part of the process. And there was really this Bible, this Tanakh. Dusty gave me this. It was the greatest little Christmas present. He had taken um, um, an Old Testament uh, course at, at UPJ. And, and so he had a Bible that somebody had already written in. Two or three people had already written in this Bible their, you know, their own understandings and all. But I love this one. Um, <clears throat> it says, this is a scripture. And then man said, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, uh, for from man she was taken. Ish, Aish because from Ish she was taken. But then the notes somebody wrote out here are so cool. It says, Aha, this is it. It is only in the face of another that you discover who you are. Wow. Isn't that a neat note? <laughs> it's only in the face of another that you discover who you are. So Adam, who had not seen himself, saw her. And there he was. You know, he discovered himself there so I call you woman because you have come out of me but I just thought wasn't that just a neat little um, note that somebody wrote there mm-hmm. um, sometimes I'm just you know I'm tickled with what I see there thinking Jim I'm glad Dusty had that course so um, alright so anyway I'm, I'm just trying to kind of get us around here so that we have a grasp of this um, of this idea about um, 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 day six, because I I had it wrong in my mind. I had it wrong, you know. And all of a sudden now my my paradigm has shifted, but the scriptures bear it out. So. Um, then you just look at day six as a very busy day when all living things were put on the face of the earth water, air, and land Adam was created already because as soon as God created the animals, God brought them to him. It says in verse 19 he created them and then brought them to Adam to name them so all of that happened and then he put Eve to sleep I mean, Adam to sleep, formed Eve, and then day six ended. And then he rested. So it's kind of a, you know, it's just a neat uh, revelation to me. Um, Now we're going to kind of go on and go back to Eden and just kind of look at this for a few minutes. Um... Okay. Um, all right. Look at verse eight in Genesis two, and we're just going to kind of plow on here. Okay, verse eight. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also was in the midst of the garden, 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and came into four heads. And the name of the first is Pison, um, that is it which compasses the whole land of Havilah, and there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, and there is dellum and onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Guillaume. And the same is it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia, or Cush. And the name of the third river is Hadekel. And that is, it goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth is the Euphrates. Um, and most scholars agree that the Hadekel is the Tigris River um, because Daniel talks about being in Babylon by the river Hadekel, which is the Tigris River. Okay? So, we have this garden that is undiscovered by men. And we have some um, some description of where, where it's located. Now, if man was made in Zion on the Mount of Worship and he was planted east in the Garden of Eden, then it would put him close to where the mouth of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers are now. The deal is this, we had the flood and we've had so many other earthly occurrences that have happened over time that these rivers um, are hard to identify anymore because they don't run the paths that they would have run originally when God created the earth. So locating where it is geographically um, has been hard. And um, so most people would tell you we have no earthly idea. Well, you know, when you get down to reading it, they go, no, we, you know, we really don't have any good idea about this. The two generic rivers, the Gion and the Python, they, you know, they try to make uh, suggestions about them. In fact, one even suggests that the Python um, River was, or that the River Jordan was once part of the Pison River. And um, and they talk about because of where Havilah was or where they thought Havilah was and where the gold was, um, they felt like maybe that river was one of the four heads that, that the Jordan was. But things have changed so that, you know, they don't know exactly where they flowed. The most common agreement, like I told you, is that the Euphrates and the Tigris are probably the two branches that you can lock down on. Um, the Pison was the one that generically watered Eden. Um, and it borders the land of Havilah, which they believe is an ancient name for the area of Babylonia or, or Medea, which is where the Medes were, Persia, in that area. But they're not sure about it. Nobody is. You just can't nail it. But that's okay. God doesn't want us to find it anyway. Um, <clears throat> I just have to tell you, when you start talking geography, and then you go back to the ancient geography, my mind tends to be. Oh, it does mine too. It does mine too. So, you know, I think we're just pretty much locked down here. And, yeah. you know, at the end of this, um, 
we're all back to the same place. Yeah. Where, you know, you got the Tigris yeah. and the Euphrates River, Babylon in that area, I can look at the map. or Persia, which is Iran. There you go. Well, even can the great Romans, <laughs> the Tigris and the Euphrates I can read them out really well. The point of origin. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, Mesopotamia, you know, right there, that whole area. You know, is where they, you know, recorded the most ancient history. So, you know, everybody kind of agrees it was somewhere in that area. Um, it is sad about how many things changed, you know, that we really could never even estimate or guesstimate. But, but everybody pretty much says somewhere over in that area. And east of Jerusalem, east of Zion. So, because they put him east in the garden. <laughs> east from where he was made and I never really thought about Adam being made off site until I started reading this that he wasn't made in the Garden of Eden but he was made and then placed east in the Garden of Eden moved east to the Garden of Eden so when you read Hebrew scholars like um, Ankylos and Jonathan Ben-Uziel they all say he was made he and Eve both because God made Eve and then somehow brought him to man and that's a beautiful picture too but um, um, anyway Eve was um, made somewhere off site too evidently he took the bones and then made her and then brought him to her so she must have been somewhere else if he had to bring her to him so go figure but um so we don't really know anything about that. It's a great description geographically of nowhere. <clears throat> and they spend five verses on that trying to tell you exactly where it is. And we have no earthly idea. <laughs> so there you have it. So the next was the two trees. And he created these trees. And still in the sixth today, he tells the man, he says, you know, you, I've given you everything. And this is your job. You're going you're gonna to dress the garden. That means work it. You know, you're going to uh, serve me in the garden. You're going to multiply things. You're going to, you know, till the ground because he says that I didn't have a man to till the ground. So you're going to tend this garden. Now, at this time, it was not labor. You know, uh, in the blessing of God, this was not labor. This was just, you know, perpetuating the garden. It was still a creative activity for man. This gardening. And it is a creative activity for us even now. But there's labor involved now. Where there wasn't when Adam was doing it. He yeah, didn't sweat. Sweat of the brow. He yeah, didn't. he didn't sweat uh, till... Evidently there was no weeds or thorns. Or oh, anything. no. Because they came later. That's so right. That's exactly it. A wonderful mm -hmm. garden. Yeah. We enjoy gardening. Yeah, so you just perfect. do a little pruning and... Enjoyed the flowers and what have you. Yeah. So, and then the other thing was he had to hedge it in, guard it, you know, and then subdue it, subjugate it. In he other words, the harvest. That's it. That's about all he had to do. There you go. That's about it. That's about it. And um, it's interesting to me when he, when God brings him the animals. So let's skip down to. Um, Um, well, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, let's just go down to the animals and we'll come back to the tree of life. There's really nothing. We've just about chewed the tree of life and the knowledge of good and evil up. So I'm going to leave that for a time 
And then in August when we come back, we'll talk about the fall. We'll start with the fall of man in August. But um, I, I just want to look at the animals and, you know, how this worked out. So um, look at verse 19. Let's go again. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Well, we studied in naming that to name something is to take authority over it. So the naming was his process of taking authority over it. But what I want you to see is, is he didn't name the fish. God did not bring the fish to him. Just the things that creeped and flew. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Because in Genesis 1 it says, He has dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and every living thing that moves on the earth. But when God brought the creatures to him, he only brought the fowls and the beasts of the land. He didn't bring the fish. And so I've got that on my list of questions to ask when I get to heaven. Where were the fish? Can't take them out of the water. They die. Well, there you go. So it's not like you could catch and release fast That's enough, right. I guess, for him to name them. Wait, I got this one. What is it? Okay. What is that? Quick, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know about the fish. Where were the fish? Okay, um, keep reading 20. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. Um, so that was the final touch for subjugating everything was Adam naming everything. That dominion um, was important because it, was, it meant survival for everybody. You know, it meant survival for the beasts of the field. It meant survival for Adam. Because like, you know, Tina was saying, it's harvest. That's, that Everybody was eating the, the fruits and, the, uh, you know, of the ground and harvesting. So it, it meant uh, well-being. And um, so it was an important job that he gave him. And, um, and so then he put him to sleep. And he created the woman, and we've already chewed that all up. But this is so pretty to me. This is beautiful. The picture here is of, um, of a wedding, in, you know, the institution of marriage. Because God, the Father, the Creator, made this woman, and she brought him to the man and presented her to him. And he received her. Which is very much like, I mean, we still follow that custom. The father brings the daughter down the aisle and hands her to her husband. You know, we still follow that. Um, the, even in the Old Covenant, um, the father would have to agree to the bride price and then he would present his daughter. The bride price, all the business was taken care of. And then the father brought the bride to the future husband, you know. And um, she was given the choice of, of accepting or rejecting the proposal. And um, then the wine was drunk. Right there, the cup of the covenant was drunk. And um, the bread was broken between the father's. And um, that was the establishment of the beginning of the wedding. They were legally married right there. And then um, the consummation of the wedding took place after he had prepared the place for her. 
So uh, not only did God set up the framework for marriage here, but God actually went through the process. He made the woman, he was of her creation, and then he brought her to the man. And he received her. Okay? Um, which I think is really uh, a beautiful picture. Um, you know what? I never thought of what Jesus did on the cross as our bride Christ. I never had either until I began to study it now, out. I'm just sitting here thinking that is really, really awesome. It is, isn't it? You know, and you and, think... And, and now we can be presented to the Father. That's exactly first, right. I mean, to, you know, to, to, to yeah. Jesus. As the bride, we will be that's presented it. to him. And you know and when the consummation will come. Right. That's it. And you know, and when the bride price was presented to Jesus in the garden, he said, Take this cup for me. Yes. You know, that was the cup of agreement to the bride price. Mm-hmm. But he said, Nevertheless, I will drink the cup. Just you know, finish. because he loved us that much, you know. He valued us that much. Um that that's that whole cup of covenant. Yeah. You know, and and they didn't drink the cup until everybody had agreed. But even the little bride had accepted the bride price, you know, which very seldom did they ever reject it. So, you know, but but the cup was the husband's agreement to pay the bride price and to build the room, uh, to prepare the room for his bride. Um, before he could have her, before they could consummate the marriage. But the marriage took place right there. Oh, boy, does that tie you know? in? And then mm-hmm. he says, I have prepared a place for you. Yes. Uh, That's right. The, many mansions. That's it. Many rooms. That's it. And and the father of the groom was the only one who could say, he would go in and inspect the building. and And until it was perfect until it was absolutely perfect in the eyes of the father of the groom, he was not allowed to go and get his bride. So he had to wait till it was perfect in the eyes of the father. So even the groom didn't know when he was getting his bride. It was up to the father to say, and that's what Jesus says. He said, only the father knows when I'm coming to get you. Mm-hmm. You know, only, wow. the, only the father knows. Everything you know? is so mm-hmm. intricately mm-hmm. Uh, related within the scriptures. It is, isn't and you it? You really have to study and delve down deeper, and not just you do. the superficial reading. Yeah, you do. It's there's so many. Mm-hmm. And every one is just like, oh, it's just an exciting thing, you isn't could, it? You could take off and do a, a awesome study on that for mm-hmm. you know, so many people don't even understand the church as the bride of Christ. Right. No, or anything that goes through it, and. So the one thing that has come out, especially with all the stuff going on right now around here, is the very idea that on this moment, in this moment, God went through the steps of marriage. He instituted marriage. Adam declares, she is a bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Now there's a big argument, and I didn't realize it, over who said therefore. It's either Moses interjecting himself because of the law saying therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh or it was Adam saying it which he didn't have a you know a home to leave a father and a mother so it doesn't sound like 
something that would come out of his mouth. I'm just giving you the arguments yeah. of, of scholars. You mean verse... 24? Verse 24. Mine's underlined, meaning this is God's words. Well, and that's the third option, is God spoke this over the man and the woman as a prophetic of what was to come. And um, honestly, there are about as many scholars that land on one side as the other. But I never would have thought of Moses summing it up under the no, law. I would you know? I just assume God said yeah. this and mm-hmm. made this pronouncement. Right. right. And mine doesn't say therefore. It says mine this says, explains why oh. a man leaves his father. There you go. Mine says for this yeah. reason. For this reason. Believe. Yeah. So, you know, that one sentence, I, I think we unanimously pretty much feel like God spoke that. But Adam is the one that called her woman Isha because he came out of out of him, Ish. And uh, But then God said, okay, this prophetically is the way it's going to work. A man will leave his p- parents and we join to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And that was the institution of marriage. That's a covenant that is more ancient than the law. It is the first covenant that was enacted anywhere. And... Um, um, then Jesus confirms it by quoting that same scripture so it stands in the new. So when we start to hear these people say marriage, 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 gay marriage and what have you, they can call it what they want to call it. It's It can be a legal union, okay, but it's never going to be marriage because marriage is God's covenant and God set the parameters and if you don't fall in the parameters of the covenant for marriage, then it isn't marriage. I don't care what you call it, it isn't marriage, you know? So, um, um, I've kind of used that. I said, you know, you can have anything you want, but you can't, you mean, it won't be blessed by God. because. And this is a God-instituted uh, union. It's the first covenant ever cut right here. And um, and then it says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And I want to read something really quick, and then we're going to fold this up, um, because this was so, this was such a fascinating um, thing. Let's see. Here it is. This was Rabbi Jonathan. Both of them were wise. This word, um, uh, there are two things here. First, the word naked, it's a play on words. Okay? It's the word arum, which does mean naked, but it's also arum, A-R-U-M, which means subtle and sly and crafty. So they were both naked, Aram and Arum. So it's a play on words, naked, but also subtle, sly, and crafty. And this is what Rabbi Jonathan says. Both of them were wise, Adam and his wife, but they were not faithful nor truthful in their glory. Yes. Can you say that Aram again? Uh, A-R-A-M. Naked and A R U M, a room, 
which means subtle, subtle. and sly and crafty. Subtle, sly, crafty. and crafty. Mm -hmm. And the Hebrew people and say... And the is a physical nakedness. Yes. And uh, they say, the, the Hebrew people say this was a play on words. Like Adam itself was a play on words. And um, so in that vein, they knew not what shame was. And then at the very end, Jonathan says, but both of them were wise, Adam and his wife, but they were not faithful or truthful in their glory. So I just thought, I thought that was just really powerful. So that sets us up for the fall. Which is next. And that was determined then on the sixth day? Um, yes. That they were, yeah, the whole thing happened on day they were six. Not faithful by their glory, etc. Yeah, they were not faithful in their glory. They were not faithful or truthful well, in their glory. Was that a prophetic statement? Yeah. I think it was. Because nothing yeah. happened on the sixth day. Nothing did. But you know, it makes you think too of Satan because it says in, in Isaiah, it says he was perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, in all his ways, there was nothing imperfect in Satan, the carrier of lights, what he was called, Lucifer, um, when he was made. But iniquity was found in him, which is that he was not, to just quote it, he was not faithful nor truthful in his glory. And because he wasn't faithful and truthful in his glory, he fell. It became pride in him. But he was perfect, and so were Adam and Eve, perfect in their glory. But they were not faithful and truthful in it. So I think, wow, that's just really um, a cool way to say it. Okay, guys, well, we're going to quit here and then we'll pick up again August 1st. This is weird. This is very weird. It's only May. I know. Uh, I thought it was March today. Oh, I think maybe, <laughs> yes, March. Spring is not faithful and truthful in its Oh, no, Lord, it's no. 